The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, today we're talking about cover-up. If you listened to the show last week, I gave a little tease about this subject. We're talking about the death of Michelle O'Connell and how, how astounded I must say that I still am that um, in today's world we can have a sheriff covering up the death of a woman, Michelle O'Connell, uh, calling it a suicide when actually it's a homicide and not calling it what it is because the person who is the most likely um, puller of the trigger is um, one of the one of his deputies, Jeremy Banks. I mean, it's just it's just I don't know. Me, I don't mean to sound naive. And yes, I'm sure this isn't the only cover up that's happening in America, but it's one that has gone on for six years, despite efforts of the family private investigators, other deputies, you know, we, we have one honest one today we're going to be talking to, um, and, and yet this goes on, and this goes on, and this goes on, and there is, has still been no grand jury. This case, you may have heard about this case before, besides my having mentioned it last week, uh, on Dr. Phil, on Dateline, it was just in People, I was quoted in People this past week uh, about it. I mean, it's not like this has been a big secret. And yet, the cover-up goes on. Well, I want to introduce you to my guest today. First of all, Patty O'Connell, the mother of Michelle O'Connell, for whom this is the most painful. Uh, Deborah Maynard, who was a deputy in the same Florida uh, Sheriff's Department until she was fired for not being willing to uh, continue the cover-up, and in fact, she was on the scene of the death of Michelle and uh, was one of the first to mention some of the things that did not go along with the party line of it being uh, suicide. And then we have Clue Wright. He is a, I love his name, he is a private investigator, and he has been spending his time um, just as a, a labor of love, uh, trying to uncover, and he has been uncovering clues, <laughs> as his name, um, showing that this was indeed not a suicide. Well, let's start with you, um, Patty. I know this is, even though it's been six years ago um, from our conversations, clearly 
it's as raw to you today as if it happened yesterday. So why don't you um, start off, tell us about Michelle, tell us about how you found out about the death and, and um, how this whole thing started off. Of six children. Uh, there were three brothers and two sisters. She was very sportsmanlike. She enjoyed life. And she finally um, achieved the, the uh, chance to have a baby. Her first child is Alexis. And uh, her dreams came true. She felt motherhood was the, was the answer to all her questions about life. Um, she, w- she had a few relationships with some men. And she then came across uh, Jeremy Banks, who she was introduced by her brother, Scott O'Connell, who was a deputy at the time. Uh, She dated him. They thought they liked each other. But uh, as soon as they started living together in Jeremy's grandmother's house, there were problems and there was fighting. And there was uh, people telling me that um, Jeremy and Michelle were having terrible, terrible fights. Michelle uh, was just about to, be- to get her promotion on the, um, the job of her dreams where her little girl went to a daycare, and Michelle actually worked at that uh, daycare through high school, through a Botech. And so this was like, like, this is sort of like God's plan for Michelle's life, to take care of little kids and enjoy life. Um, but she had a dark cloud over her with her relationship with Jeremy Banks, and this relationship was a uh, domestic violence um, problem. Um, there, she really couldn't tell anybody right away that it was so hard. But then finally, when she made up her mind that that was it, she's not going to live this way anymore, she made plans. She told family members, I'm leaving him. And so on the night of September the 2nd, after going to a concert with her brother, and Jeremy, in which Jeremy was very angry at her that night. She uh, left the concert, and we never heard from her again. She was killed that night, in which Jeremy says that she was, um, you know, committed suicide, which no one, I didn't believe it. And my brother, um, I'm sorry, my son, uh, Scott, he was like, you know, no, that didn't happen. And then my son, Sean, came in uh, when all the uh, St. John's County uh, Police Department was in my house uh, telling me that it was a suicide. My son, Sean, came in. He said, she was fine at the concert. There's no way she killed herself. And she had made plans to, you know, she was packing to leave. She asked for her makeup bag from one of the girls that was at the house at the time. She said, I need my makeup It's on an affidavit. Uh, Michelle was not planning suicide. She was planning to leave and make a better life for herself. She had a brand-new job coming up where she would be working full-time. She'd have weekends off with Alexis. She did the paperwork to get all the insurance papers done. Um, Michelle did not want want to end her life, and it's sad that the sheriff's office is uh, going forth with this lie. And um, if you ever met Michelle, and I know there's a lot of people that know her, you would say the same thing. She was an awesome person, um, you know, dedicated worker and uh, devoted to Alexis. Uh, you know, uh, she was really just um, getting her life right, 
right where she wanted it, and she was trying to take care of this situation with Jeremy Banks. She tried to do it the best she could, and she just, you know, her life was just taken. And uh, I saw the, um, I, I did see the uh, photos of the crime scene because during the um, interview with uh, Lieutenant Bradley, he said to me, you don't want to see the photos. Well, I said, I want to see the photos because I know she didn't kill herself. And he, so he grudgingly let me look at him. And uh, he flipped them really, really fast. And I just, I was in awe that my daughter was laying there and she suffered a tragic death. It was horrible. It was horrible. And two girls heard her scream for help. And they were denied access to the sheriff's office. The sheriff didn't want, a letter went to the sheriff from one of Michelle's friends saying, two women heard Michelle scream for help. And that was discarded. They didn't want to talk to them. But later, later, FDLE was able to interview these girls, polygraph them, and uh, came out flying colors that Michelle, that they heard Michelle scream for help that night. I hope this helps a little bit um, about, you know, letting you know about Michelle. Yes, absolutely. Um, when you first, how long after her death did you actually see Jeremy face-to-face? Uh, I saw Jeremy face-to-face shortly after I went back to work. I'd say maybe two or about two weeks. When I saw him, I shook with fear because I never thought that they let him back in the sheriff's office. I thought he was under investigation. And, uh, you know, I would go to my desk every day, pull because I worked there. I would pull it up. I'd see that it said robbery homicide. I was led to believe that they were investigating the, uh, Michelle's death. Um, and the fact is, is that they had decided that night that it was a suicide. They never told me that because um, and our family, of course, was never interviewed by, by the sheriff's office. We weren't interviewed by the medical examiner. And um, this is just a real bad cover-up. They don't want to know the truth. They don't want our side of the story. I hope that helps. Um, you know, but yeah, when I saw Jeremy, it was awful. It was like I was shaking. My sons had to come and literally drive me home. I was scared to death of Jeremy. Did he say anything so, yeah. to you? Like, I'm sorry for your loss or what? Oh, how, what no. Did he-, he, no. he was standing in the doorway of the first office to Sheriff Shore's main office. And Sheriff Shore was handing out checks to everybody. Uh, everybody got a bonus all of a sudden of about $1,000. Everybody in the whole Sheriff's office got a $1,000 bonus. Shortly after Michelle was murdered, um, and Jeremy was there to get his, you had to go into the Sheriff's office, shake his hand, and get this uh, $1,000 check from him. And that, that that's, uh, you know, that... When I saw Jeremy, I just ran to my phone and called my sons, and they came and got me. Of course, I did get in trouble for that. I mean, here I am facing the killer of my daughter, and I'm being reprimanded. They were, it was all the, the whole sheriff's office of, of the, um, you know, from Sheriff Shore. There's just like covering over Jeremy, like, oh, he's he's one of us. But, you know, I worked there. My son Scott worked there. But we weren't given fair treatment at all. We were never given fair treatment. Mm-hmm. Well, um, before we um, 
go to Deborah because, um, and uh, Deborah, I'm going to be asking you, of course, about the scene. Um, you were one of the first to arrive at the at the murder scene. <laughs> Let's call it what it is. Um, but before I, I talk about that, I want to mention that um, I, when I was interviewed for People, the reporter sent me some information about this case, and that included the 911 call. And really, before I had read much about the case um, or watched the uh, videos of Dateline and so on, uh, I listened to this 911 call. And it was clear to me after uh, just seconds that um, the 911 call was by Jeremy Banks, supposedly after Michelle had just killed herself, um, and he was calling for help. And uh, not doing CPR, mind you, but calling 911, and he said, my girlfriend, I think she just shot herself. And he had this, this I think she just shot herself. <laughs> he should have known what was going on. It was just the two of them. Um, and he, he was in this, it was in this high-pitched voice. And, uh, you know, he was talking really quickly and high-pitched, you know, very dramatic. Very, it, was such, it was such bad acting. It was, you know, if you would have seen this in a movie... Um, you, were, you would have walked out because it was not believable. And then uh, the, the operator soon interrupted him and said, ma'am, ma'am, you know, um, uh, slow down, or, or, you know, she wanted her questions answered. And then he goes to his regular voice, a more masculine kind of voice, and he said, it's sir, it's not ma'am. You know, and all of a sudden he switched over in a heartbeat to, to talk normally. Now, if, you're, if this is your girlfriend of a year or so that, who just shot herself, um, you wouldn't be, you know, so, oh, and it was so irate. It wasn't just the, the, the tone of voice that changed or the sound of the voice. It was now he was so irate that this operator was calling him ma'am. His masculinity was being challenged, um, which is kind of what Michelle was doing by leaving him. And, you know, this is what triggers men who are, um, domestic abusers, just like O.J., just like Terry Schiavo's husband, men who um, are, are wife abusers or girlfriend abusers, it's when the girlfriend tries to abandon them that that's what it, when it triggers their rage, their, their most violent rage. So um, the fact that he could you know, switch in a heartbeat like this, it, it clearly was another indication of what an act it was and how he was really just uh, uh, you know, just acting, lying, basically. Well, let me go now to Deborah Maynard. She is, I don't really know how to, she was <laughs> a part of the St. John Sheriff Office until she was fired for not going along with their cover-up. Is that an appropriate way to introduce you? Yes, ma'am, and thank you for having us on the show. You're welcome. So tell us about your coming to the crime scene. Well, it was uh, late one night. We were having a cup of coffee between calls. Heard a call for shots fired, uh, which involved one of our own. Uh, we, uh, when I say we, I say my sergeant, my corporal, and myself. We were having coffee, and we ended up hitting lights and sirens down to the crime scene, and so we all ended up on scene within seconds of each other. Um, entered through the front door and into the back bedroom where the first thing I saw were some feet 
uh, which was a decedent later identified as Michelle O'Connell. And as I looked into the room, I saw Jeremy crouched down at the bathroom door, holding a house phone in his hand, not even near the body, with not making a sound. He was just crouched there. Um, quickly, we started taking, um, you know, looking around the room and see what all was there. There was a dog in a cage, and uh, Mark, who was the corporal, uh, reached over and found a pulse on Michelle, um, at which point I was asked to take Jeremy out of the room while one of the other deputies started taking some photos. Um, I noticed there was a gun to the left side of Michelle. The tactical light was still on, and it was cocked up at about a 45-degree angle, which we deemed a little unsafe. So as quickly as we could, after photos were taken, we secured the gun, but made sure to take some photos before, um, you know, putting it away. Um, And what really has always hung with me is when I walked in the room, how Jeremy was so subdued until he was asked to leave the room and for me to take him out. And he, he, his demeanor changed immediately once he realized we found a pulse. And as we went outside, Jeremy started acting, and, and there's no other way for me to say it, he started acting like an animal. He was growling. He was pacing. He was punching vehicles. He was drunk. Um, he was just out of hand. So that's pretty much setting up how the crime scene was when I got there. And you said he was crouched, when you first came in, he was crouched in the corner holding the phone? That's correct. Like he had his back against the bathroom door as I walked in. He, he was about three or four feet from the body. Huh, which is amazing, of course, since you've um, found a pulse. He wasn't doing CPR. Well, we need to take a break right now. Um, we will come back in a minute and hear more of this story. I'm sure to all of you listening, it's already... <laughs> You're already picking up on um, so many things that point in the same direction of Jeremy having been the one that shot Michelle, and wait till you hear more. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. Stay tuned. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. 
www.drcarol.com. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking about the cover-up going on in Florida, going on for the past six years, the death of Michelle O'Connell having been ruled a suicide rather than a homicide, um, the service weapon of her boyfriend, Jeremy Banks, lying to her left side when she was right-handed. Yes, just, just another one of the many, many clues that even a, um, an amateur sleuth could put together and figure out that this was a homicide instead of a suicide. My guests are Patty O'Connell, the mother of Michelle, uh, Deborah Maynard, the, a former deputy on the uh, St. John Sheriff Office uh, until she wouldn't go along with their cover-up. And we're going to also be um, hearing from Clue Wright, a private eye who has been following leads and digging up even more clues. Um, so, Deborah, continue with, I mean, you know, one thing I wanted to ask you about, you said when you first were called to the scene that it came over the, the radio as being one of your own, did you say? They, right from the get-go, it was, it was stated that it was a deputy? Yes, uh, that it was a deputy, and they gave out his badge number, so we knew who it was. Um, when you work in certain zones and with people long enough, you get to know their badge numbers. So we knew immediately it was one of our own. Hmm. So, I mean, that really tainted the things from the beginning. I mean, not for, not for you, but, uh, you know, it was already like a, a little red flag. So, hey, folks, you know, this is special, right? Yes. Okay, so continue with, with where you were, that Jeremy, there he was when he realized that you people had found a pulse in Michelle, that he became an animal. And, of course, the reason what you think, the reason why you think that that was what you think that was all about was that he was now terrified that if she lived, she would tell everybody that he killed her or that, well, he attempted murder. That's absolutely my opinion. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I can't answer for what goes on in his mind, Mm -hmm. but knowing how subdued he was initially and how he started to act after the fact, when fire rescue got on scene, and started working on Michelle uh, for life-saving measures. He became very agitated, uh, very angry, which makes me think absolutely that he was concerned that Michelle would pull through. Um, that, that haunts me to this day that that's what the problem was with him. Um, well, now, when you I, arrived and you saw that there was a pulse, didn't that, even before his acting out like that, didn't, didn't that already raise all kinds of red flags? Like, why was this deputy, who of course would have been trained in CPR, like, weren't you asking yourself, why didn't he do this? Why was, why was he on the phone and why wasn't he, um, or holding the phone, why wasn't he doing CPR when you walked in? Well, 
at least, why wasn't he at least holding her? I mean, if you love somebody and they've just yeah. done this to themselves, why, why isn't he cradling her and, and, you know, beside himself at that point? Why are you just sitting there staring at her? I mean, mm-hmm. just place in my mind over and over again, why not CPR? We're trained for that. We block things out. We go mm-hmm. and, and take care of the job and forget what's going on around us. Mm-hmm. That's what you do as a law enforcement officer. Um, but when we came back in, I was helping fire rescue bring things in, and I happened to notice on the couch um, that there were a bunch of suitcases and a blanket thrown over the top of the suitcases, which I thought was kind of odd. Who would pack a bunch of suitcases and then cover them up? So uh-huh. I've seen, you know, there's just a lot that you see and take in in such a short period of time. After fire rescue had called that Michelle had passed, um, I was then, you know, it's a crime scene. We taped it off, but I happened to notice before anyone else showed up that Jeremy Sargent was on scene and he wasn't even on duty. Hmm. At some point, somebody called Jeremy Sargent, which I thought was really odd that he got there so quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, Just little things like that that stay with you and you think, well, that's kind of odd. How did he know to get here? So somebody called him. But uh, I was then given the task, sadly, but in hindsight, I'm glad it was me to be able to notify family members. Uh Uh-huh. So from there, we went and notified uh, Scott, the brother, first, um, and then to Patty's house, and then up to Jacksonville to daughter's house. Was able to, um, not something you want to do, but am glad in hindsight I did. Mm-hmm. Okay, Clue, would you like to take it from here and tell us about some of the things that you have been uncovering? Sure. Uh, probably about a couple of years ago, I was asked to look in to the death of Michelle O'Connell, and I was kind of hesitant at first, and I really didn't want to do it because I knew it would be a challenge and a lot of work and a lot of hard time to do that. Uh, but I did get involved in it, and I did start looking into all the evidence. I started pulling a lot of public records, and uh, I even watched the, uh, the Frontline video done by Walt McGonich, uh, you know, out of New York. And when I started uh, getting uh, a lot of public records from the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, from the St. Johns County Sheriff's Office, you know, the autopsy report, the crime scene photos, all the report, all the investigative reports and everything, and, and looking at that, and there was a lot of information out there, you know, as far as that. But I told myself from, from uh, you know, from the beginning, uh, and, and I want to put this out there because uh, a lot of people think that, uh, especially from Sheriff Shore to Jeremy Banks' attorney, is that uh, they think that Patty O'Connell and her family have, had hired me. Nobody's paid me, you know, any money to do this. I wanted to remain independent, so, you know, I don't want to work for anybody. That way I can come in here and just look at the facts of the case and only the facts of the case. And if it was a suicide, I'm going to lean toward that. If it was a homicide, you know, I'm going I'm to tell you, you know, that, hey, the facts lead me to the homicide of, of that information. Um one thing that I've noticed, you know, as far as looking into this case, and when I started receiving all the evidence into the case, especially the, you know, the photographs, I, I even made contact with Patty, you know, in the beginning, and she was kind of leery of talking to me. I guess she was kind of scared because I needed the autopsy photos 
you know, to look at. And, and that's very important when you're looking at, you know, a death investigation. And she would never get, give me the autopsy photos because she thought, you know, that I was working for somebody else. And I didn't get them until, you know, about a year and a half later. But I was still able to, you know, look at all the evidence. But um, I want to say something that Deborah, you know, mentioned earlier about the, you know, uh, or, or Patty mentioned about the two witnesses. Um, you know, they had two witnesses that night that heard Michelle scream. And actually, she yelled for help, and there was a gunshot, yelled for help again, and then there was another gunshot. At the St. Johns County Sheriff's Office in the beginning of this case would have treated it like a homicide and ruled homicide out from the beginning and collected all the evidence and, and focused on all the evidence and the facts of the case. We probably wouldn't be here today talking about this because they would have done their job correctly. But they did go into, go into this uh, investigation as a suicide. And it's evident by what the detective said, you know, it is what it is. We just got a CYA. We didn't think it was anything else but suicide. So that tells me from the beginning, they never ruled out homicide, and they never thought it was going to be a homicide. So they just treated it like a suicide from the get-go. Also, when you look at um, uh, the suicide aspect of it, the St. Louis County Sheriff's Office or any police department in the state of Florida cannot rule out, cannot say that anything's a suicide. That's, that is the definition and the responsibility that comes with the medical examiner's office. Uh, so I don't know how they can say it's a suicide as far as that goes. But when I started looking into this case, and I, you know, I come across some pictures, and especially at a crime scene, and, and I noticed there was a, uh, a shirt that was on the bed above Michelle's, uh, by Michelle's head. The shirt appeared to have blood on it, appeared to have a bullet hole in the shirt and gunpowder residue. It was never mentioned in any investigative report. It was never documented by the uh, St. Louis County crime scene technician, by the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, by the state attorney's office, and all that. And I want to go back to what Deborah said about, you know, the first deputy on scene taking pictures. And we can all agree that them, he took eight pictures. And them eight pictures are pristine as far as the crime scene that happened that night. And, uh, and I'm glad Chair Shore mentioned that, 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 that that's the case because I do agree with him. And in them eight pictures, that shirt is above Michelle O'Connell's head also. And without them pictures, you couldn't have justified that. And, and, uh, and we'll get to that shirt in just a minute. But it also shows Michelle the way that she was laying that night, and it shows kind of, you know, the blood and stuff like that. Normally when somebody shoots herself or commits suicide, you know, they, they'll have what they call uh, back blow, uh, back spatter, you know, and blood that's on their arms and legs and, you know, that, that's running down, you know, running down, especially with an intraoral gunshot wound as far as that goes. Michelle was laying in a prone position on her back, you know, and the blood that was running down to the side of her face and running to her hair. There was no blood from her, from her chin down. There was no blood on her neck, her clothes. There was no blood on her arms uh, or anything as far as that, that nature that shows that, hey, that any of that back spatter. There was a couple of dots, you know, here and there that was on the outside of her uh, hand. As far as that none goes, it wasn't anything on her on her on her palms or her hand or anything of that nature. Um, in in these in these uh, crime scene photos later on, that shirt that was on the bed, somebody took that shirt off the bed, they threw it on the floor, because you can tell in these crime scene photos is that they discarded it, they tampered, they altered the evidence in in, in the case. Also, and what is the, the significance, scene. what do you think that that shirt came from? What significance does it have? 
I think Jeremy Blanks placed that shirt over her mouth, and I think he shoved that gun in her mouth, and, and, and all that shirt contains that blood, and all that shirt contains a back spatter, and then he threw it up on the bed, and he forgot, he forgot to move it. But what's more important is the St. Thomas County Sheriff's Office is altered and, you know, altered and discarded and tampered with the evidence, you know, crime scene evidence. They got pictures of it. Mm-hmm. That is correct. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, also, if you go back and look at some other crime scene photos, there's a gun holster laying on the kitchen counter right beside the bedroom door. Um, it was, it's my belief, and, 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 and Deborah, you know, can maybe say something to this, but, you know, a lot of deputy sheriffs, they, they carried their off duty, you know, they carried a gun with them off duty in another whole type of holster. The, the, uh, Jeremy Banks's duty weapon, you know, if you look at his gun holster, it's a three point retention holster. Nobody knows how to open um, holsters because they're, they're, you know, if that's the case, then we'll be having a lot of cops get shot, I think, because a lot of people will be know how to get their guns out of the holsters. If Michelle was a guy, that gun out of that holster, why would she lock the retention holster back in the locked position? That doesn't mm. make any sense at all. None. Mm. At all. You know? So uh, my thing is, is that, you know, I think he had the gun. I think he had it with him the whole time. And that's why the holster was laying on the counter. And if you go out to the, uh, the driveway, there's a black medical glove that's sitting on top of the hood of his car. That wasn't collected into the evidence. It was photographed, but it was never collected into the evidence. In the back of his patrol car, guess what's in the back of his patrol car? You have a box of black medical gloves that they could have, uh, you know, looked and see if they matched that came from that. Came from that. But, uh, I mean, and, and, and there's a lot more evidence, in, you know, in, in this case that just, that just deals with that. But that's just some of the stuff that was missed, discarded, altered, and tampered with by the St. Louis County Sheriff's Office. And so, wait, so you're saying that he used these medical gloves to, um, to take, to not put his fingerprints on things. Is that it? Well, nobody that got, everybody got interviewed that I looked into the case with, and everybody that uh, I think that was asked about any type of gloves, they all used blue gloves. Nobody used any black medical gloves that day. They didn't even use purple gloves because it was both about purple gloves and black gloves. Nobody used them. The only person that used any, any, any type of gloves, they all used blue. Any medical people, the people that were coming in from the sheriff's office, they all used, you know, the blue medical gloves. So, I mean, there's got to be a question, how did that glove get there? And how, number one, why didn't they even click that to find out if it was blood mm-hmm. on it? Why didn't they click that if, if it came out of his car, you know, mm-hmm. if, if it matched the, uh, the ones that came out of his car? Mm-hmm. Let me add to that, if I could, real quick. Sure. The um, gun, which is another interesting thing, had no DNA on it at all. Now, if Michelle killed herself... How could she wipe that gun off after she was done? It's Jeremy's duty weapon, and there's not a single bit of anything on it. It had been wiped down. Secondly, the car that had the glove on it was wet, and it had not rained that night. And no other cars in the parking lot right next in the driveway, right next to that car, had any moisture on them. Hmm. The car was soaking wet. Now, what do you, why do you shirt, think that, that is? When I questioned the crime scene, the girls who were in charge of the crime scene, they said they were ordered not to turn the evidence in because it had been ordered by the detectives. Well, you because it had been back. ordered by the detectives? Yes. I asked specifically why they didn't turn evidence in. We were ordered by the detectives not to. Well, that's why you go back and look at, you know, um, the detectives on scene, 
that night saying it is what it is. We just got CYA. We didn't think it was anything else but a suicide. They never ruled out the homicide, and they well, weren't now, going to collect that evidence. They weren't going to collect that evidence. Okay, so, wait, I mean, let's that, go, that go back to the wet car. Um, um, what is the significance of the, of the fact that the car was wet? Well, here it is, 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. It had not rained. We have a car, his personal vehicle, with a glove on top of it, and the car is wet. Now, Jeremy smelled like, though he had been drinking, smelled like he had just taken a shower as well. So I'm wondering if he went outside and hosed off. Oh, oh, that he ho- oh, he hosed himself off outside. Is that what you're thinking? That's what I'm thinking. Okay, and so, and it by accident got on the car as well. That car is wet, and nothing else around it is wet. Yes, it's yes. rain. Why is that car wet? Yes, but I mean, you're not thinking that her body was anywhere near the car, just that that no. got the, the wet from his hosing off, yes, which would Correct. kind of make sense, because otherwise there would be blood uh, from him in the drain of the shower, which could be right. identified. Right. Well, yeah, that, and if you look at Jeremy, he only had like one micron of gunpowder residue on his hand. It, 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 somewhere in the crime, somewhere in there, he told him that he was holding her hand at the begin with. If Michelle had fired a gun and he was holding her hand, he would have more than one micron of gunpowder residue on his hand. And also yeah. the shirt that he was wear, the shirt that he was wearing that night, he had two blood spots on the underside of his shirt, two blood spatter spots on the underside of his shirt. How can he get two blood spatter spots on the underside of his shirt? unless he wasn't leaning over her, you know, with his shirt or whatever, and there's some type of spatter that comes back out and, and lands on the inside of his shirt like that. Yes, yes. Oh, my. Well, we need to take another break. Um, we're talking about the mysterious, not, and uh, not so mysterious as the sheriff would have us think, uh, death of Michelle O'Connell, very tragic story, more tragic that it is being covered up and has been for six years. So stay tuned. We'll get back to this story. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. 
If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking about the cover-up regarding the death of Michelle O'Connell, the cover-up by the sheriff in Florida um, at the St. Saint- John Sheriff, St. John's County. And, um, you know, this, the, she died, she was killed on September 2nd, 2010. I'm putting my... Um, forensic psychiatrist expert witness hat on talking about this case and um, what is really necessary for the case, hopefully um, what the family has wanted for the past six years since the, uh, since the death is for it to go before a grand jury and for a jury to decide the, uh, whether the evidence is sufficient to indict or to convict uh, Jeremy Banks, her boyfriend, who realizing that she was going to leave him that night went out of control, and you can hear his being out of control in his uh, 911 call. I just want to, before I go back to my guests, I just want to read something that's very touching. One of the things that, that makes it really clear that there was no way that Michelle would have been trying to kill herself. I mean, what you do in a psychological autopsy is to examine and make a timeline of the person's life um, that you get you get you interview all the people involved, the family and people's friends and so on, and put together a timeline of the person's life. And clearly, in her timeline with her, uh, at that time, four-year-old daughter, Alexis, for whom she, uh, who gave her, as her mother was saying, Patty, uh, at the beginning of this show, that that was what she was living for. She was just about, she had just gotten a promotion. Um, she was having a wonderful she, she loved being a mother, and then um, there were also texts that she sent that night that clearly indicate that she was scared of Jeremy and uh, not that she was going to commit suicide. So I want to read a poem that her daughter, Alexis, wrote. Uh, Alexis is now 10, and um, first of all, she drew this picture along with the poem, and it's a picture of her mother as an angel saying, you know, in a little balloon, saying, it's okay. And then a little girl at the bottom of the picture with tears coming down her face. And uh, I know that Patty, not only, of course, does she miss Michelle as a daughter, but she's also trying to keep this case alive and to get justice for her daughter uh, because of Alexis as well. Because imagine how sad that this injustice is for her little daughter who now has to live, grow up without a mother. So Alexis wrote, My mom loved turtles. Me and my mom loved to eat ice cream and pizza. We loved to go to SeaWorld. We loved to go fishing. We loved to go to the beach. She loved sunflowers. We loved to clean. She worked three jobs. She loved me. She worked even at night. Our favorite game was mousetrap. When I was in school, she got me a dog. And then she said, I miss her and I wish she would come back. She's an angel now. I mean, that's, that's who Michelle was, you know, a real person. <laughs> and um, yeah. all of these cover-ups, all of this, this, these elaborate cover-ups from the get-go um, are, are just all the more horrific when you put that in contrast to her poor little girl um, missing her mother. Well, um, I know that, well, why don't, why don't I have, why don't, Patty, I, <laughs> I know you're probably... Um, 
I probably made you sad to he- to be reminded of that. But um, why don't you say something again? Okay. Now? Well, M- M- Alexis, uh, when uh, when I was told that Michelle was murdered, and you know, I was uh, re- I had to be the one that told Alexis what happened to her mom, and uh, I couldn't do it. I-, I kept putting it off, and finally, Alexis is like. Come on now, where's my mom? I want to see my mom. I was the one that had to tell her. And when I told Alexis her mommy was murdered, she just cried this heartbreaking cry. It would any it would bring a man to his knees. He, he, she was so uh, devastated and so um, like distraught. Her words out of her mouth. I know Jeremy did this to my mom, and I didn't even tell her who did it. But she knew because she witnessed the domestic violence in the house. Hmm. And she saw these bad things, you know. And I'm telling you, Michelle did not. I heard that Jeremy said something like, that bitch got what she deserved. And hmm. he, he uh, said that at a bar uh, the next night after Michelle's death. Well, that just shows you what kind of a person he is, you know. He had no respect for human life. He could have just let her go. Uh, yeah. Yes, but that would have been too much of an insult to his manhood mm-hmm. to to do that. It's not even really love. It isn't even you can't even say that it was because he loved her so much. He would have been too devastated if she left him. I mean, obviously yeah. that is not the case. It was it was the the rejection, the pain of the um, you, you know how dare she uh, leave me? You know, Carol. Um, there's one thing that a lot of people don't know, but Jeremy Sargent, uh, Sergeant Faircloth. Uh, was uh, sw- has a sworn affidavit from the Department of Law Enforcement, so Florida Department of Law Enforcement, where he states that Jeremy told Sergeant Faircloth that Patty, that's me, told Jeremy that Michelle was suicidal a week before, and that is an absolute lie. Jeremy and I were not on talking terms, and I think that this was almost, I um, swear I think it was preplanned, to get rid of her. I really do. I really think he was pre-planning. There was anger about what was going on. And I think that night just brought it to a boil. And, I mean, why would you make a statement like that unless you were planning to do something, get rid of her, you know? You mean he, he that, told his sergeant absolute... this? Are you saying he told his sergeant this a week before or, or before yes. she, she died? Yes, there is a sworn affidavit by Sergeant Faircloth in the Florida Department of Law Enforcement report, and I was just, actually it was unfortunate for me to see it, because it just made me just cringe, thinking that this could have been pre-planned, and I mean, if if I was a sergeant and somebody came to me, I would have went to the mother and said, hey, did you know that, you know, your daughter's suicidal? Nobody said that to me, you know, Mm -hmm. I am just... I'm, I actually have had feelings that Jeremy uh, was pre-planning this. I've said this before, and I believe that um, he, you know, there was times when he probably wanted to get rid of her. And then, uh, you know, um, he, I did tell Michelle never get on a motorcycle ride with him. And that day that she died, she was supposed to get on a motorcycle with him, and she didn't. And that, I think that was, you know, he was like sitting there in the um, amphitheater looking very, very angry, like, Oh, now how am I going to get rid of that? I mean, when I see uh, his face, that's what I see, you know? 
Hmm. But hmm. anyway, I, I'll, I'll be quiet so somebody else can, you know, tell you more. <laughs> well, well, that's okay. You know, I, I must say that you are to be um, commended for keeping this story alive for six years, um, you know, and getting it all over the media. Um, I wanted to hear from each of you as far as what you think, what your plans are, what you think, what you're trying to make happen now, or what you're expecting, uh, hoping will happen now. Who wants to... Go ahead, Patty. Okay. Um, well, Clue and I have been working with um, with the Florida Department of Law Enforcement. Um, they're doing an investigation, but Clue knows more about it than I do. Um, I just I have emails a little bit from uh, a fellow at Florida Department of Law Enforcement, but Clue has actually talked to these people. So I think I'll let go. I'll go ahead and let Clue speak up. Okay. Because he knows Clue, a lot what's more. the next step? Uh, well, the, the next step in the case was, and, and I'll go back just a little bit, was that, uh, you know, I, I, I want to talk about the second autopsy on the shelf, if I can, just a minute. Uh, you know, I, I, I found a forensic pathologist who was willing to uh, uh, do a, an autopsy on the shelf, a second autopsy. Uh, Patty had to agree to the exhumation of her, and we did also get two forensic odontologists to agree. They all done this for free. And I, the reason I wanted to do that for free, because I wanted them to, to remain independent, and where they didn't have a legal, you know, binding with somebody that, that paid yes. them to, to, to say that they had done it. And after the autopsy was done, uh, Dr. Anderson, uh, the forensic uh, pathologist, confirmed that Michelle's death was a homicide. She had a fractured mandible down in the middle. It was not noted on, on the first autopsy. Uh, when Dr. Hoban first initially did that, he said there was no muscular skeletal, skeletal fractures. The only one that uh, the, the fracture that was mentioned was in her C3, which where the bullet penetrated. Uh, so he had ruled the death a, uh, as a homicide. Uh, What's happening right now with the case is, is that I filed a, uh, a complaint with the uh, Florida Department of Law Enforcement, uh, the Medical Examiner's Commission for the state of Florida. Uh, I think it was like a 24-page uh, complaint against the St. Johns County Medical Examiner's Office for not doing a correct autopsy and not, for not doing a correct investigation into the death of Michelle O'Connell. By Florida state statutes, the medical examiner is supposed to do an independent investigation uh, separate from the St. Johns County Sheriff's Office and they're not supposed to opine or cause a death until they have all the evidence from the sheriff's office, until they've done their investigation and, and, and to the death. Uh, plus, uh, the complaint is also uh, Dr. Hoban leaving out the, uh, which is, you know, the, the fractured mandible, which is uh, unbelievable that somebody would leave uh, that out, you know, and not even mention that. So right now we're waiting to hear. Uh, back from them, uh, hopefully sometime at the end of this month, the beginning of the next month, we'll, we will hear something from, you know, from them, I believe. Okay. And, and of course, the significance of the fractured mandible is that it, it is thought, uh, or Dr. Anderson thought, that Michelle was, uh, that Jeremy punched her first and that she landed on the floor and that's when he shot her. Well, is that correct? Th- there, th- there's, there's a couple of injuries to Michelle. There's an injury above her right eye, just, ab- just below her eyebrow. There's that injury, and there's an injury to her mandible, which was a fracture. And according to Dr. Anderson, is that the gunshot did not cause that fracture. Yet that happened, you know, postmortem prior to her being shot. And he believes mm-hmm. that, you know, when the gun was jammed in there, he either hit her with a gun or hit her with a fist. And, you know, because especially the way that the tongue was retracted, you know, in her mouth, 
as you know, as far as the gun being pushed in there. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to make sure before we we're kind of coming to the end here, and I want to make sure that somebody <laughs> gives out the uh, tells my listeners how they can go to the GoFundMe page. Um, for to so that more investigation can be done and more um, uh, work can be done to be to bro- be have it be brought to a grand jury and and hopefully to a criminal prosecution. So, um, who can Patty? Can you tell think, us? Uh, yep, there is yeah, a GoFundMe account. Go ahead. Yeah, um, my daughter Jennifer was able to get get the uh, GoFundMe account set up. But because we have exhumed Michelle, I have a funny feeling that that thing there is a stop. There's, it's, I think it is uh, has been stopped. I, I, I didn't know that. You know, I didn't know. Um, I wasn't prepared to explain this, but I believe there's not been any um, more funding because it's been known now that Michelle was exhumed. But Jennifer is probably going to, um, you know, to get another account opened. For the GoFundMe account. Well, why was the original page to to pay for her exhumation? Yes, that's correct. Um, I there see. Was funny. Yeah. Um, and Clue really helped us because he was able to uh, contact uh, certain people, and uh, for a certain amount, we only had thirty seven hundred dollars in the account, and we needed forty two hundred, and then my sisters um, all chipped in. And so then we were able to go ahead with the process. I don't know if many people know this, but Cher Shore uh, uh, said that my said that I molested my daughter's grave. <laughs> I think he didn't want her exposed. He didn't want the broken jaw to be brought up, you know. Yeah. And I think he was angry. But yeah, yeah that that you know, that just wow, what to a, show what you. a way to describe it. You molested her grave. Ah. Yes. Well, let me, that's the music we need to stop. I want to thank my guests again. Of course, Patty O'Connell, the mother of Michelle O'Connell. I, I, again, I admire you for keeping this alive, and hopefully justice will be served at some point if you all keep, uh, keep having the, the guts to go on. Deborah Maynard, you, you stood by principle, and, and you were fired as a result. Um, but certainly, certainly, it's much more important that you that you did stand by and not not just go along with the party line of the sheriff. That was that really spoke to uh, your character and Clue. You're amazing, Clue Wright, um, for for doing all this detective work and and uh, persisting as well to dig up more and more evidence as to to make it clear that this was a murder by Jeremy Banks and not a suicide. So thank you all for sharing your story. And thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 